0: You don't have to be positive all the time. It's perfectly okay to feel sad, angry, annoyed, frustrated, scared, and anxious. Having feelings doesn't make you a negative person. It doesn't even make you weak. It makes you human. And we are here to talk through it all.
1: We welcome you
0: to These Fucking Feelings Podcast. A safe space for all who needs it. Grab a drink and take a seat. The session begins now. podcast I am Micah sitting here with my girl um, Rebecca this is Crystal (laughs) (laughs) my co-host usually is Rebecca and they switched out for me today (laughs) so we got Crystal here filling in as co-host for this episode and we're on with Alan Cox um Alan we believe the best way to introduce yourself is for you to introduce yourself so tell our people a little bit about yourself
1: uh yeah, I, I guess it's a, quite a long story, but the shortest version I can think of is that um I basically had quite a my my start in life was quite traumatic. I had quite a an abusive childhood. Um that led to me basically having struggles with mental health um and even some like quite dark places, um, suicide attempts uh, up until the age of about forty. Um nearly got killed in a Canterbury earthquake um, and that led to me having quite a major mental breakdown and in a a strange way that was kind of the catalyst for me really changing um, my direction and I went on a journey that still is continuing actually of of transformation. I I made quite a um, you know, what some say is quite a remarkable transformation compared to where I was. Um, And then after various events in my life, including a close friend of mine um, uh, taking his life um, and knowing that many of the mental well-being apps out there don't actually work, um, I then decided to kind of solve that problem um, with a new kind of app that, is really easy for everyone to use and is highly effective. Um, that's what I set, set out to do with um, Everyellow. So I'm, I'm the founder of um, Everyellow, which is a, is is basically an impact venture. So our our primary mandate is to um, bring mental fitness to millions of people around the world, and um, you know, so that that goes above uh, profits. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's, that's the short journey that I've, I've, that's not, that's my life so far.
0: Sorry, we got a new producer sitting in for today. (laughs) She said she wanted to produce the episode, right? She's my co-host Rebecca and she's over there forgetting to push, (laughs) but
1: That's all right. You you can forgive her this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what it is. She says she, she got so wrapped up in your story that um, you know, it's like okay. Not only do we go through childhood stuff, but then we almost die in an earthquake. Uh,
2: yeah, I did hear that.
0: Jeez. Um, have... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But um, so is it okay to talk about your childhood?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm, um, I'm 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 an open book. So okay. like I I believe telling stories is, is is a good way for others to kind of heal and make a change themselves so yeah completely open
0: okay cool so not cool but cool <laughs> so um i guess tell us a little bit about your childhood like when i know crystal was saying
2: about uh, how you drove once a year with your dad on a bus um across like to different towns
1: oh um so no my, my dad was a. Uh, a bus driver, um, for London transport. So, um, there, there's, um, there's quite a famous, um, route or route, however you say it, um, in London called the, the, the number 15. Um, and it basically goes right from, it's basically a straight route that, um, goes right through like the heart of the city. So it's a, it's a really good one for seeing like yeah. a lot of the top, Sites, you know, everything from St. Paul's Cathedral to you know whatever, and um, on on a shift he would do these that route back and forwards maybe eight times a day. And when I was on, I was on uh, school holidays, um, I would go up and and do that with him. Um, and yeah, to be honest, that was probably it's probably like the um, I, I didn't actually see a great deal of my dad when. Uh, when i was growing up because um yeah we we was based in a like basically a new town that um grew up after the um after the baby boom you know like L- london was heaving after the um second world war and everything and um they created these new towns that were were pretty soulless really um and um I I was un- I was p- um, pretty certainly unexpected as a child and that at that time that put um there was a lot of stigma, especially for unmarried women to to have a, a child out of wedlock. Um and yeah, I think with that and the having to move away from the family to somewhere quite quite remote and all that kind of thing. I think probably put a lot of strain on things. Um, My dad basically was the sole um, breadwinner and he would, you know, um, go off early in the mornings and come home late at night. And yeah, I didn't didn't really get to see a lot of him.
2: And then you also have a brother.
1: Yep. um, So my brother came along um, probably when I was about, six or seven um and that in a way that kind of made things even worse for me because um you know looking back in hindsight you know um, uh, a six seven year old kid new new baby comes along you're probably a, a bit jealous for attention and you probably play up a little bit and um and that kind of resulted in me kind of you know Kickstarting, um like more more of this kind of behavior from especially my mum that kind of really led to the troubles I had later on
0: and so and um, when you say abuse it was like uh, spanking type of your mom like hitting you type of thing or
1: it was it was it was mostly verbal abuse, you know so like my mum my like whenever I was like playing or making um, or you know making even the slightest bit of noise. Mum would tell me, you know, come up very close, hold me, hold me by my shoulders, and say, you know, think quite nasty things, you know, like right. you're you're a hateful child and things like that. And um, you know, like the the what really the worst possible things to build self-esteem, right. um, you know, things like you'll, you know, you I don't I don't know, you know, you you, you you'll never make anything of yourself, all all that kind of stuff, okay. yeah,
0: yeah and it's uh and it's crazy because that coming from a parent i know it had to hit you like harder <laughs> you know than like regular bullying you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah imagine that yeah me, yeah it's kind of crazy but at, um so how did you kind of go through your life like how did you get out of that how did you get out of that mind frame how did you erase her voice in a way to be able to move on
1: oh um I think I think the truth is un- until I know it sounds really kind of it sounds terrible but um uh, 2 or 3 years ago she she basically um got terminal cancer and when she passed away that was really like I I I didn't I didn't as much as I love her I didn't cry I think I think that was it was kind of end of a chapter for me you know and that was um Um, so really, yeah, I I think, I think in terms of like, how did I kind of turn my life around that, you know, that, that really came, there there was, there was really a a series of events that really, um, that, that basically happened when I, I, I was basically in a really, really dark place after I'd had this kind of. Near death experience in the earthquakes, and I'd had I basically had this um, major mental breakdown. And if if anybody like I just for the purpose of your listeners, I I had no understanding of what a mental breakdown was before. Um, I I thought it just meant someone's having a bit of a depressed period, you know, I'm having a breakdown kind of thing. Um, But what what actually what actually um, kind of happens uh, to varying degrees is that when you've had a very long like period of sustained mental health problems and then and then you know so you, you're already your resilience is already very, very very low right um, when something serious hits you, your brain basically goes into survival mode and it it basically shuts down a number of parts of your functionality if you like that right. isn't really needed for survival so in my case i could only function awake for about 2 hours at a time at the most i i couldn't walk for more than about 20 yards my my legs were very weak um I, my speech was, you, you would have thought I'd had a stroke or something. Right. And, um, it's, yes, it's really, it's really scary. And, um, pe- people have mental breakdowns to varying degrees. My, mine was quite serious.
0: Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. It.
1: yeah. And I, I was told that, um, I was told by my caregivers that someone in my con- condition can probably expect to be, at least a year before I would even be able to think about going back to work part-time and that, that actually made things worse actually, you know, and, um, um, you know, and then, yeah, there were, you know, there was kind of suicide attempts. I, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with that. Um, and yeah, I was, I was very, very fortunate that, um, I mean, I can tell the story if you like, but, but basically a, a, a program came on TV that kind of changed my life. And that w- that was really the turning point for me.
0: Yeah. And now we will love to hear <laughs> the story. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so at, at the time I would basically describe myself as being 100% hopeless, like in the sense of, I had no hope about my future. I also had an understanding of, sorry I, n- not a real understanding but what what my what i had in my head was that this is just the way i am and this is the way life is going to be for me forever you know because i've already been like this for 30 odd years you know and and kept on hitting these um major down points um and i i kind of um tell the analogy of of it feeling like i was in a black tunnel that was absolutely pitch black i had no idea what way was out or even if there was a way out right um and then this this program came on tv um and it's actually it was actually a bbc program called the truth about depression and it's um it's actually still available for free on on youtube and whether whether you're depressed or not depressed, it's actually a really good program to watch. Um, and you know, of course, it's a bit dated now it goes this goes back you know twelve years or so. It's got people from like Coronation Street on there and things <laughs> like that and um basically, there was kind of two i think two main things that the program showed me. First of all, it showed me for the first time that it had all of these graphics of inside your brain and, and what have you. And it basically showed me that just like, I don't know, having diabetes or um, like a skin condition or whatever, there is actually physical things going on in your brain, right? you know so like as an example it showed you that somebody with long term depression like i had my hippocampus would be um, shrunk by at least like say 20 to 30% and and that would have these kinds of consequences right. um and you know so w- what it, i i was kind of Kind of stunned in a way, thinking, "Oh my God! Like this, this is this is actually real. There's 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 stuff going on in my head that's actually real." And and the other thing that it showed me is all of that stuff is completely reversible, right? Um, by by doing the right things, um, you can actively work to reverse all of those things that are making you the way you are so so that that really was you know if you if like I didn't suddenly become well of course right, right. um but it was basically like you know if I was in that tunnel I the, the the light came on you know at one end of the tunnel I I could see that you know there there was hope right um and I could see that there was a, a way out and and that really was the, the start of my journey
0: so now you said suicide attempts there was more than one
1: yeah i've I've kind of lost count i've um Mm -hmm. probably like five or six something like that
0: and um i guess how did you get out of that or how did you get out of that mentality was it just did that stop when your shift of mind changed
1: yeah yeah absolutely you know i i basically so basically um what happened from then on i went on like a voyage of discovery really. I just like um I just wanted to, you know, I'd been I'd been shown this kind of new kind of subject, if you like, that I had nothing I knew nothing about. And I thought, oh, if I learn about this, I um I can fix myself. And so I just at, at the time I couldn't I couldn't actually read a paragraph without not remembering the sentences above you know right. so i i turned to youtube and i um you know you know this program had mentioned things like neuroplasticity you know the role of your amygdala the, the hippocampus your all of these different things and and i just started lap lapping it all up and then then I started getting my energy back, you know, that that two hours of awake time started turning into three hours to four hours to five hours. Um, and, yeah, w- within within three months, I was actually back to work full time and my, my care workers actually was worried for me because they thought I was faking it, you know, right. because a lot of people that are in a mental kind of state like I had been, they they do put things on to try and get people to go away. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah you know, I actually found it quite funny to be honest. But um you know I, I got myself back to work and to well being but the, the the there's there's be, there's being well but there's also being there's also I think the, the next big discovery for me was there's a whole new world there's a there's a whole new place and a way of being when you elevate yourself above being just well Mm -hmm. and what 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 not a lot of people realize is if you think of mental well-being um as being on a scale of say one to ten um, around the three mark is that is if you was to go to go go and see a doctor and say look i think i'm depressed or whatever um they would if they're a good doctor they would do an assessment of you using a like a proper you know world recognized instrument right and if you're say a three or below you would technically be mentally unwell right or or mentally ill you yeah, you wouldn't have like you know i'm not i'm not talking about um specific mental illnesses like um i know schizophrenia things like that. i'm not talking about that i'm talking about general well-being right. so if you if you're say a three or below they they would then prescribe you medication suggest you go and see psychiatrists and that kind of thing if you're say three and a half four um they you you are not unwell right but you're you're far from being like thriving right and and i guess that was the big discovery for me when, when i started doing the research i actually found that the the vast majority of the kind of human population is actually somewhere around like five to six around that area um and so yeah, my analogy here is that um, you know people are kind of going around on this mouse wheel, where like every day is like Groundhog Day, and it's like this, this, this is just the way life is. You know, don't really, you know, I'm, I've got a decent paycheck. I'm, I've got a good family. I go to work. I come home. You know, but there, there always feels like there's something missing, but you don't know quite what, um, and. And I, I almost see them as kind of like separate kind of things is that like one th- one thing is your mental well being, which can be, you know, like five, six, or seven or or eight or nine. But you've also got this other thing, which is when you when you learn about how your mind works and you learn specific skills you know so for example learning to reframe like thoughts feelings or behaviors so that you have a healthier reaction to them um your your life actually becomes much 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 well it becomes much easier for a start right and 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 it just becomes a lot a lot you know you get um a lot more moments of of joy in your life and um and, yeah, it, it was really kind of that understanding that really led me to do to do what I'm doing today. And that's pretty cool.
0: I want to ask about this earthquake, though. Yeah. Because that had to be it's horrifying. Scary. Right.
2: I couldn't even imagine it.
1: Yeah, it was. So so um, this was in February. Mm-hmm. And in, I think it was, uh, you know, September the previous year, um, you know, at that time, I had been... So I'm originally from the UK. Uh, I was born in London. And we had been living in New Zealand um, at that time for about 11 years or so. And we... You know, there's there's all, like, museums here where they show you, like, past volcanoes. And, you right. know, so I, we, we kind of knew we lived in a, a place that um, is susceptible. But... Um, where where i live um it's it's basically of it's called the canterbury plains and if you if you basically go up onto the like a higher elevation or you're in an airplane and look down it's you know i, I live in the, this it looks like a massive flat sheet right yeah. and at that time there was no knowledge that christchurch or canterbury was one of the susceptible regions you know it, we always had it in our head that if there's a big earthquake, it's going to be in Wellington or on the North Island or something like that so and and during that time we also you know even if I think maybe once or twice there was a slight tremor that just shook the glass slightly, and our friends would have phoned up and said, Did you feel that all right but th- this September right in the middle of the night, two o'clock, there was this big earthquake um, and it didn't actually cause a huge amount of damage. And um, it was like a 7.2 or something on the, wow. on the Richter scale. Uh, but it's actually quite a way out of the city. Okay. Um, but um, you know, it was still a very traumatic event. I remember um, my young boy, you know, screaming and I'm like, i'm I'm crouching over him like saying "Look, i'm I'm, you're fine i'll I'll protect you kind of thing and um and then then what happened after that is you you just get this ongoing period of aftershocks, right and and they get less and less frequent and they get less and less like in magnitude right and then they became just part of an everyday life and then and then in february um I was, I went out to lunch and there's, there's a, there's a really, or there was, I should say, there was a, a beautiful part of the city that was close to where I worked. And it was all about three story, um, you know, old brick built, uh, industrial area that had been converted into like hospitality and, and various things. um, and I, th- I think they're called parapets, do you know where the, the roof comes down to the edge of the wall, but the wall carries on and has all like them fancy shapes kind of right, thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, like you've got three storeys plus these, like, you know, probably a metre or so of these parapets topped off with like um, all stone and that kind of stuff. So it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And, um, And I was walking through there, and I just basically got into the doorway of this sushi bar that I used to go to, and I just said, I literally hadn't even said, like, I I think I just said, like, hello, when, like, it was just the most crazy, ground-shaking. And initially... I smiled, you know, because I, I just smiled at the lady across from me and kind of thought, oh, this is just another one. Right. And then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then we heard all the rumbling. And um, the, the best kind of description that I can give of it so that you can visualize it is, you know, when the um, World Trade Center came down and there was those images of, the streets just going completely white with, you know, like dust. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. Like, I, there was, I, the, 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 like the, the wall opposite the, the, um, door that I walked in couldn't, you know, couldn't see that at all. Oh, wow. And couldn't see anything. And when, I I basically, you know, there was bricks all over the floor. I walked out of the doorway and it was, it was just basically like, if you imagine, I I couldn't actually see anything. Um, But I knew that the ground was, you know, it was just basically, I I had no idea how deep it was, but basically it was just um, bricks and rubble. Right. And I I managed to make it out. Um, But, the next day when the dust had settled and you know you you know quite a few people were killed in that earthquake and um there was cauldrons all around but you know there was tv footage and photos and stuff there was um there was a picture of the that that um walkway where i'd gone and the bricks Mm -hmm. on the floor would probably have been like two foot deep something like that Mm -hmm. and there was and just opposite the doorway where I'd walked in there was a car um and it was basically flattened to about half of its height oh wow and and that and that's when it really kind of like that's when I really it really brought it home to me like how close I'd come and yeah thank thank god I, I I I wasn't um walking a little bit slower that day right, right, right.
2: what was going through your head when it started um when you knew it was serious not a little tremble tremble
1: um i i think a million th- like literally a million things are going through your head like you, you're thinking about you, you you know i had three children and they're in they're they're all in different schools actually so um, I, I had a, I had a, an office where, 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 my team were on the, um, I was running a company at the time and I knew that there was 12 people and my wife up there and that was also an old building. Right. Um, and yeah, it was, it's, it's hard to describe what goes through your mind in something like that. You're, you're kind of just in this, I, I think, I think probably adrenaline has taken over and it's just it's just kind of getting you out, you know.
2: Was your home okay? It
1: was. It was still standing, but it, it needed a. It, it need. You know. So we, we 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 were lucky in that we could continue to live in it. Um, we had our house is quite an old house with um. We had lath and plaster ceilings. I, I, you know what that is, or Uh, I know they call it different things in different countries but um yeah like all all, all of the plaster had come off the ceilings and and a lot of the walls and um our house is like on a a ring foundation and and that had basically severed in multiple places and our house was kind of slightly slightly wobbly you know um but it was it was safe to live in um but there were many people that it weren't you know and and the like another kind of um, really scary thing was when when I got back to my wife and yeah you know, it was it was really horrible like because when I got back to my wife and I, I made sure my guys were safe there were people walking around covered in dust blood on their head mm-hmm. and they they're walking they they they're going to walk to places where you can think that is gonna fall down any second. So you you're having to, you know, I think they were just in this days and right. you're having to like stop people from going to very dangerous places. And then when when we eventually manage to get our car and and then and then we're into the mode of let's go and fight let's go and get our children. Like we, we've got no idea whether they're even alive, right? Oh, and I can't
2: even imagine. Yeah
1: yeah and and as and as we're going towards where our house is if you imagine like you you're driving down these roads and there's like massive sections of road that have um have basically sunken right. and and cars in them oh. and i think they call it liquef it's called liquefaction where you've got all this water comes up and basically takes away all of the ground. Right. And 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 we, yeah, so like the further we got from town, there was water everywhere. There's 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 this muddy water gushing up everywhere. Cars in sinkholes and like it, it actually it actually started to get more Armageddon like the, f- right, the further right. we got out. Thinking,
0: like the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it had to bring you guys closer together as a family, did it?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've always been pretty close. As a, like, I think um, because of the because of the experience I'd had a ch- as a as a child. Um, you know, I I made. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Because like, I, I hear so many times that um, you know abuse um, repeats itself. You know, um, and like f- that didn't happen to me. I, I was from a very early age. It was like I'm not going to be like my mum sure. and dad, you know, I'm I'm, like my, even to this day, my dad can't say, I love you. Right. Um, it, you know, if I hang up the phone and like, say, all right, see you dad. I love you. You know, it's got it, like the most he can imagine, the most he can manage is yup. Right. That's all he can do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I, I always, I always basically, grew up thinking, right, when I have kids, I'm going to be showing, telling them I love them all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll hug them all the time. And yeah, I've, I've, so we've, all, we've always had that quite close relationship anyway.
0: That's cool. So now how long have you actually been
1: on your mental health journey? You, you mean in terms of re- recovery? Covering, yeah. Um Probably about it was probably about six months after the earthquake, so what what happened is is when I had the earthquake, you know if you imagine um a lot of people at that time who had gone through something similar to me like if you were say an employee, you would have probably taken two, three, four weeks off work to kind of recover from that and get counseling, I basically had to go into leadership mode i had to go into making sure my people were safe um this this was a time when there was no we didn't really know about cloud services and like things being stored on the internet so we we had a back office that had all of our servers with all of our customer data and everything and we wasn't allowed in there so you know, I'm thinking about my team, their livelihoods. You know, they've got their mortgage to pay. Right. Um, I've got to find a new place to to work from. Um, when we did, it was like um, it took us about three or four weeks before we could get internet connected. And, you know, imagine work, you know, our business was a web business, right? And imagine trying to run a web business just through telephones and things like that. It was crazy. Well, you um, to someone
0: I can't even imagine going camping. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I there's no yeah. running water. I'm not going. You know. So
1: yeah, and so so I guess at a time when I really should have been taking care of myself, I was kind of doing the opposite, putting even more load on myself. Right. Um, and because of the like the economic knock-on effects of the earthquake you know um a lot of customers basically put projects on hold you know a lot of our work was with the government so they they didn't cancel our projects but they say look we can't do this right now because our attention is on the earthquake right um so that ultimately led to me losing the business um, and then, then, I, then I started getting calls from customers saying, oh, what are you going to do about this then? You know, and you, and, and then that was really when the, uh, you know, the, that was really the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, like, I um, I, I just couldn't take any more. And, um, I just, I just, I, you know, I, I, I literally collapsed. Yeah. right.
2: Did you go seek a therapist before you do that? like the
1: ever Before, yellow app. Sorry, what seek, do you mean?
2: Did you seek therapy?
1: Well, after I had the, the, the uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they basically, they, they put like, um, quite a strong safety net around you. You know, there's, there's people coming to see you, um, every day. Um, like in the beginning, probably two or three times a day. Um, yeah, so so there was there was quite a lot of care. Uh, I didn't I didn't find it particularly useful, but yeah,
0: right. That's the part that sucks. So, yeah. and I think that's where we go into ever yellow. So, uh, where did this concept and idea come from?
2: I want to know why the name.
1: <laughs> uh, what <laughs> one do you want me to answer first? Either one. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, I'll ask her where it came from first because that was, that was asked first, right? So that's my diplomatic uh, way out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I, I already had, you know, the, the knowledge that most mental well-being apps are not really very effective. I know that when I was in my recovery, I was given a list of apps to try, and I actually tried a bunch of them, and found them no help at all. And I actually thought that was because of me, not because of the app. Right. Um, And I then found that there's plenty of
0: reasons. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Um, I I, I actually found that there was um, a lot of research um, that showed that um, a lot of apps, you know, there's, there's little research data that show show that they work. Um, And then there was, a lot of increase in visibility around mental health. You know, I, I one of my favourite artists. You know, um, Avicii took his life. You know, Anthony Bourdain, that I used to watch a lot, uh, took his life. And um, and I, I'd, I'd already been kind of thinking about doing something like this. Um, and as a quick aside, my my kind of career background was in. Um, like design thinking and innovation, so I'd, I'd already been kind of ruminating, I guess, around. I wonder why these apps don't work. I wonder how we can make something that that really does work, you know. And um, and then I guess you know a, a close a close friend of mine uh, um, unfortunately took his life, and and at the time my consulting business it was it was going okay, but it, like it was actually bringing me down mentally um so that was when really i did de- i decided um uh, to do something um and the name ever yellow so we yeah we, we actually we started off with a, a different name um but uh, later on in, in into our journey we we felt that it wasn't right and we we basically went to our community with like you know what do you think and um and and basically the ye- yellow is the color of happiness right um and um and ever is basically around like ever, ever you know always being in a al- always at least working towards happiness so like I, um you know, being 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 in a constant state of happiness is not the goal, and it's not realistic. But um, ever ever in the pursuit of happiness is is kind of wherever yellow comes from.
0: Pretty
2: cool. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would, It's just rare. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so um, and so you now you said there's uh, how long has that been out? So. Uh,
1: the app has been kind of technically in the app store for about a year and a half. Um, we haven't actually been promoting it up until recently, and and the reason for that is it was we spent we spent at least a year going through rounds of research trials where you know we we'd recruit a whole bunch of people that didn't know anything about Ever Yellow and um, they they were motivated to work on their mental well-being and so we'd get feedback see how effective how effective it was see what gaps there were and so we spent a year basically refining the app until around november december last year we we basically were quite stunned with the kind of results that we were getting back um um, and that really is what kind of gave us the confidence to, you know, start start moving forward. I think the truth is we we um, would have kind of been promoting it more by now. But there's there's you know I'm there's there's this saying in the UK. I'm not sure if you have it um, in the states. It's uh, run, running on the fumes of an oily rag, <laughs> um, and and ba- and basically it means that like um, I've been just you know beg stealing and borrowing to to kind of get the app to where it is today and you kind of you kind of get yourself in a catch-22 where um you need money to market something so that otherwise you're just an oasis in a desert no nobody knows about this thing right but in order to get say investment to market it they want to see traction first right? so, so you're in this catch-22 yeah. loop so i think the last yeah, few months we've really been trying to work out you know how can we work smarter and um so we're just we're just in a position now where thing you know all the ducks have come into line we're, we're, we're just about to start our you know social media push and that kind of thing um but yeah t- to answer your question it's it's been in the app store for about a year and a half now
0: cool and um so i actually i can't lie i haven't looked at it yet <laughs> um because i'm probably a lot like you i work a lot so but yeah. crystal here like
2: i do i listen to it on my way to work um That's
1: sex- yeah
2: yeah i used to listen to motivation speeches and stuff like that but i yeah. started listen to
0: every yellow, every yellow.
2: Yeah, Fantastic. and now
0: knowing what it means, I think it's awesome too. Like, okay, yeah,
2: definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know this is off that topic. With that, um, I wanted to hear about how you met your wife.
1: How I met my wife. So, um, we, when I was younger, um, I, I all I wanted to do was creative stuff at school right? And when it comes to taking your exam, sorry, taking your options, right? I chose woodwork, art, history, social science. And I kind of got the proverbial slap round the head from my parents saying, oh, that's all a waste of time. You'll never make anything of yourself doing that. And I got pushed into kind of more science and technology. Anyway, I ended up um, getting onto this apprenticeship uh electronics apprenticeship with g e c marconi avionics um and my wife uh, you know my wife to be was basically um one of the one of my co apprentices and um uh so that apprenticeship was about three year three and bit years long and for the first for the first couple of years i won't i won't quite say we hated each other but like <laughs> you know it wasn't great um it was
0: love at first sight <laughs>
1: yeah um but there was there was this there was there was this one um christmas that I'll, I'll never ever forget it where i i would i don't think i had ever had any feelings for her right but one christmas like she'd had a few drinks um this other guy had had a few drinks and i saw them kissing right and i just had this overwhelming feeling of like no you're mine right it's just really really weird like i just and um and after that i kind of made a move to you know invite her to like a, a local disco and what have you and um um we was having a slow dance and i nibbled her ear and that was the end of it. <laughs> I
2: heard the story. I just wanted to hear it again.
1: <laughs> oh, you've already heard. Where did you hear that?
2: Um, on another um interview that you did.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I told you you got a fan. <laughs> so, Crystal is your fan. Okay. Um,
2: it was with the gentleman that was talking about the race challenge.
0: All right. Yeah.
2: you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually gonna try it and see yes.
0: if she's trying to get all of us to try it but
2: yeah i want to do it like in our office and see if it works
1: yeah yeah
2: Did you try it
1: the what challenge the, the rice, rice tra- challenge. Like,
2: you cook the rice put it into different containers
1: um no i didn't and the re the reason is um so one one of my attributes that's kind of come from me being forced into this engineering side of things Mm -hmm. is that i always i don't ever take anything on face value I, i always um look into something deeply before i accept it and um i've i've i basically did the research on that and you know you you do your own research but um you know it's from what, from what I've read from very kind of reputable sources, um, the, the studies that are on that are kind of, um, quite flaky at best uh, is is kind of how I put it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, like even if like someone suggests doing a certain diet or something like that, I'll, I'll always, you know, look into it deeply before I kind of, um, either do it or promote it to anyone else.
2: Right.
0: Okay. I, and, and honestly, I'll it's like it's uh, like you said, do your own research, and until yeah. it's based on on your belief, you know. And I think right. that probably is the point of the challenge, you know, yeah. to, to get you to be more positive, think more positive, say more positive things. So, um, so yeah, we definitely see that. Now, the concepts—where are like the, all the concepts that you have forever yellow? Are they all original, your own, or do you have a team that works with you?
1: Um, do you mean in terms of the content? Content, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. That's so. It's it's all our own. Um, It's been incredibly hard to get, um, and we're we're getting a whole bunch more content done right now. Um, The from a scientific point of view, um, all of the content is based on the the science of positive psychology, and positive psychology is a relatively new. When I say new, it's kind of like over the last. It's evolved over the last twenty to thirty years and is, you know, widely accepted. You know, widely proven by research. And and what what it basically, what it basically is. Um, and f- and firstly, I'll just get out of the way. It's not it's not about the psychology of being positive. What what positive psychology is is it basically says that our mental well being is actually um, is basically due to a number of things like a number of very independent things that kind of all stack up, right? So for example, um in, in Ever Yellow, we have nine different pillars. Um, so one of them is um, positive relationships, another one is is your ability to be ability to be present and not worry about the future or ruminate on the past another one is growth and achievement so so you basically have nine different pillars right and if if you think of if you think of each of these pillars as being your as as being like a battery pack you've got like nine batteries Ev- everyone has a battery pack at a different you know if you if you kind of think of it like a a graphic equalizer you know each of the batteries will be either quite full or depleted or whatever right, right. and um So what what positive psychology is about is that, you know, you you can make the biggest gains in your sense of well-being by focusing on the areas where you are weakest, right? So that's that's not to say you ignore all of the other areas, but, like, for example, if you are already really strong in positive relationships um you probably don't need to do anything differently to what you're doing right now but um if you you know if if I was to ask the question for example thinking back over the last 2 weeks to what extent have you engaged in positive relationships and the scale is from never to very often right that's a very quick way of gauging, like where you are on that on that right. And if you right. if you kind of score one, two, or three, you can you can at least then think, okay, well, what can I do about that? You know, can I can I join a like a, a reading book club, or can I join a gardening group, or whatever whatever your thing is, right? right. Um, and and each of those pillars in positive psychology are deeply rooted in kind of, um, science and, and like, even, even like evolutionary science, you know, like, so for example, um, you know, you, you know, we, we've, we evolved to be in social groups, right. And, and we, we evolved to take care of other people and, and, and when we're resting, having other people looking out for us and making sure we're not going to get jumped on by a, a lion or something right and it's only in the last pinprick of history that that doesn't happen anymore and that and that actually really drains us. Um, so so that's kind of how we kind of model our content um, and yeah we we recruit narrators that are um, and content writers sorry we, we recruit content writers that can write the content that has that good scientific backing to it um and um we then hire narrators that can sp- basically translate that content and speak it in a very like natural authentic way um so so we do all of that ourselves
0: so now, is there a stage in someone's healing journey that you think that your app would be best suited for them?
1: Um, well, act- actually, um, I would say that the the app the app is basically for everyone's general well being. You know, if, if you think if you think of like say a bell curve, right, where um, you know around the five to six mark is where 80 80 odd percent of the population is right you know we 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 want to stop people from going down and we want to get them up so that they you know they have better relationships so that they have more energy they feel more optimistic about life and and all of those kinds of things right but if you're um if you're say a three to you know anywhere under a um say a five or six we we want to get you back up to that place as quickly as we can um i want to make it clear that um anyone that's say below a three um you you shouldn't rely on an app like Everyellow. you should definitely go and seek um professional help right um Yellow um we're, we're not you know for for legal reasons we're we're not going to make any claims about this is good for depression right. um, what what I will say is that we've had we've had many people write letters to us that have had like say severe PTSD um people that were in say a self-harm situation um and they've said that as a result of using Eviello um they're now in a in a much better place, which is great. Um, so, like, there's there's no harm in trying it to support wherever you're at. But I I, I would basically like to uh, ever yellow to be seen as, you know, if don't don't just don't just accept the status quo of life. You know, you you only get one life, and like I have this story about my my mum, like when she was like in the hospice and very close to you know passing away and i i kind of said to her you know asked her some questions about her life and you know you know what what are you most proud of and what have you and and she couldn't answer me and like uh, and tears come down her face and i th- like she although she didn't actually say it i think i think what she was thinking is look here i am i'm just about to die and i haven't I I haven't, I haven't been the person I really wanted to be. Um, and, and I think that's my main message for everyone. You know, don't, don't just accept, don't just, you know, if, if you, even in the slightest way, if you feel like you're on this kind of treadmill or, or mouse wheel of life, you know, just, just take a step off and, um, and, and see, see what, what's on the horizon because, um, you know, it, there could there could be, well, there, there probably is like a much easier and much more fulfilling life for yeah. you. It, you know, whatever shape that might be. You know, it might it might be, you know, you you might have an attitude towards, say, a family member that you think actually let's let that go, you know, right. and, and you know, whatever, there's, there's a million different examples, you know, um, it could be that you feel, you know, I, I had, I had one person that wrote to me. Um, she was, she was in um, a place in, where was it? Um, it was, it was an Eastern, it was an Eastern block country. Right. And she basically had to go to work to support her, family and when i say family i mean like her extended family that lived in this small house and she was in what she called um a a highly toxic work environment and she said she felt totally stuck like there's no way she could even entertain you know giving up her job because she had a family to support but she said that after a I can't remember a few weeks or whatever of, of listening to Eviello, she basically had the strength and the belief to think, actually, no, if I, if I have the right attitude, I, I can, I can let this job go. I can, I can basically leave tomorrow and it may not come immediately, but I believe that I, something better will will come for me and and it and it did um, and so yeah that's the kind of thing i'm saying is that you know there's a million different examples for a million different people, but um, don't don't just accept where you are you know um, you know there, there' was another someone asked me once about like well imagine you're like in quite a good job and You like, let's let's say that your family forced you into becoming a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. And you never really wanted to become a lawyer or a doctor. And, um, but because of your salary, you've now got a big house and a big mortgage and you've got family to feed. You know, you can't just go and juck in your job, right? And, and, and like, sorry, and this, and what all you really wanted to do was be in a band right 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 <laughs> and um, but you know i guess my response to that is well first of all the fact that you have done well for yourself is something that you really need to cr- congratulate yourself on first you know whatever whatever you wherever you are you know congratulate yourself for you know don't think of it as i'm in the wrong place think haven't i done well you know um but then you know it's not an either or thing right you you can you can then say well what is to stop me from learning an instrument and joining a band and I can gig in the evenings or at the weekends you know and and that is just another example of of a shift you can make just by you know lift lift you know i think of like that those right ho- race horses with the blinders on right, right. Take, take take the blinders off see see what there, see what there is for you and um and, and go for it
0: right it sounds like what you're gonna find is ever yellow so exactly yeah that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well alan we definitely thank you so much for being on um we will list all of your contact details in this episode and it'll be posted on our website and all of that good stuff um any last words for our viewers? And I feel like you said a lot of good stuff already, but yeah, we'll ask it for a little bit more. <laughs> um, a lot of people who watch our podcast are, 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 I'm finding that are, they're new to the mental health journey. Yeah. So, you know, what is your advice
1: to someone who's new in this journey? Um, well, I'm, I know it probably sounds cliche, but um, wherever you are in your kind of, depths of darkness or whatever you want to call it is you know um the there two things there is there is always a way out right mm-hmm. and as and and uh, and I, I should also acknowledge that I completely understand how you feel right it you know like you you feel numb to the world you know you you don't feel like there's any think you know any way out but but there is a way out but not only that is that when you do find your way out you are actually going to become more valuable to the world and to people around you than if you'd never been through this in the first place right? right so um yeah that that's probably my my final message
0: really dope so yeah thank you again so much for being on um and uh once again we're gonna list all your contact information i'm gonna check out the app myself and promise myself i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna write a blog about it so awesome yeah so we're gonna we're gonna do that and then um yeah we thank you and we will be on contact
1: that's excellent thank you very much indeed Bye. bye bye